In this special summer podcast, we're going to talk to book coach Kelly Irving. Normally, we talk to the authors about their books. This one is about your book. Have you thought about writing a book? What would your book be about? Who would your audience be? What would you? What would people get out of any book that you might write? If you've had this longing or thought about it before, then this is a podcast to have a listen to. Kelly Irving is a book coach, and she's fantastic at helping people solidify their ideas, make sure it's fit for market, and to actually come up with a solution to people's problems. And that's what most nonfiction books are about. So if you've ever thought about writing a book, Kelly Irving might be the one to talk to. All right, Kelly Irving, different first question. Who should write a book? (laughs) It's a good first question, Luke, (laughs) because I think there's a bit of a thing out there about everybody has a book in them, and I don't actually agree with that. So I think everybody has stories within them and stories that should be shared, but it doesn't necessarily mean for everyone that they should necessarily be in a book. Um, And I think one reason for that is, you know, people in your network can tell you, you should write a book, this would make a great book, Mm -hmm. but you're the person who actually has to sit down and do that work. And so there can be a real difference. You know, you have to be that driver. You have to be motivated. You need to be the one sitting down, typing out day in, day out and all of those things. So um, I think that's a really key difference for people to think about. I still love the romance of everyone's got a book in them, but yeah, not everyone's got the the desire to do the work, I guess, and and doing the work is the hard bit. Yeah, I mean that's also where the value is, obviously, as well. You know, like I think um, if you think about all the things that we do in our life, the most rewarding things are hard. They are. They do have some element of challenge with them, um, and, and I think that's you know that that's critical to remember as well. Um, but yeah, not, not everybody will scale Mount Everest, mm-hmm. for example. Yeah. Not everybody wants to walk through the Arctic for 600 kilometers. Um, so you have to find your level of, of what challenge you do want to do in that. Yeah. So, so how did you, you're, you're like the book coach, you, you have a, a, an expert author academy that's starting up really soon, isn't it? Yeah, no, we've been going for a few years now and we've okay. kind of developed um, over that time into a pretty amazing space for authors. So, um, and, and I think the thing with the community is it's been born from the people within it. So it wasn't something I necessarily set out to do from the get-go. Um, so I've worked as a book coach and as a trained editor, I've worked with hundreds of authors um, over a decade now. Uh, many of those authors will publish with the likes of Major Street. So Leslie and I work really closely together. Um, And some of those authors will self-publish. And there's a lot of grey area and different avenues in between. Um, But my, I guess my specialty is helping people crystallise what what makes a great idea for a book and how do you get that out of your head. Um, And then learning all the other steps that are going to get it to market and into your reader's hands. So that process has been honed over a period of years, working one-on-one with people and then developed into a process that other people can uh, walk through uh, with the with the built-in kind of support of having people like you around you who undergo those challenges as well. So it's a pretty, um, yeah, it's a pretty exciting space to be in um, as a, 
as a, someone who stumbles across authors every day as well, for me, it's, re it's really rewarding um, work because you realise how many people are out there who have a specialty or um, have a story or experience that, um, yeah, when they want to put that into a book format, like getting that out of their head and helping them encapsulate that, getting it into their readers' hands, having an impact in the world, that's pretty amazing. Yeah, it's almost one of the one of the points you made there is that there's always a lot of people involved with writing a book. You sort of think of it as just being you know someone sitting in a cabin somewhere typing away, but it almost takes a village, doesn't it, to write a book? It's a bit like raising a child. It takes a village to write a book. Yeah, hundred percent. Like, I mean, from your perspective, Luke, um, you know, who was around you? Who was in your little village? Yeah, you've written three books, so and how has that village changed for each book? If you think about it like that. Yeah, no, it had changed completely for each book. Uh, I, I never had an editor through the process the first time, for the first two times, and getting having an editor. Um, I don't know whether you do this as well, but it, you, the editor's ability to focus and actually subtract stuff from what you're saying that actually makes it better, I found, was the biggest godsend ever. Do you find yeah, that it's I mean, one of the things? A, I mean, that's a really great point because I think as someone who wants to write a book and especially – um, you know, in the area of nonfiction, if you're writing a book, uh, you know, to align with where you're at in your business, help you with your profile, that type of thing. One of the classic things that we tend to do is think about what goes in our book mm -hmm. and jam everything we know into a book. Yeah. We actually need to flip it. And it's actually about asking what stays out of your book, not what goes into it. So I mm. think uh, I like what you said there because there is that distinction. I think when you learn to flip it like that way, it, it makes a book a lot easier to write, manageable, but also simple and effective for you as a writer as well as the audience who are reading it. One of the things I learned from that is to I actually have some folders set out, um, both like in my computer and paper folders, that uh, this is something that would be really good in a book, but it might not be in this next one. It might be the one three down the track. And I found that really helped a lot because you kind of – you know, you hear something really cool. I want everyone to know, and it might not fit into that book. So, I guess let's go back to the start. When it, when an author comes to you, how do you start? What does what does that journey look like? Yeah, great question. Because it actually starts with what seems like a very simple question, which is why do you want to write a book? Mm -hmm. um, and I think this is the hardest question to answer in a lot of ways because. I think there's a thing, especially with business books, you know, we want to write a book to position ourselves as an authority in our field. Mm -hmm. That's a result of writing a really great book. It's not why you set out to write it. And and there's a very big distinction between that. Uh, it's kind of like, you know, when you decide to build a house, where well, you're going to ask yourself, am I going to live in this house or am I going to sell the house? Right. There's some real key distinctions and understanding, you know, what, what you actually want to do with it in the first place and mapping out their contents page on a napkin or once I get that idea right, once I get the structure right, everything else will fall into place. But we need to go right back and understand some of those foundational elements first. Why you're writing, who's the target audience, where are you going to fit in the market, understanding market research, and then you can um, – understand how you build a structure related to the market fit mm -hmm. um so you're prepping yourself to get ready for the writing so uh, building a plan for what you're going to write 
before you start actually sitting down and churning out words because if you do that you're going to get lost and sidetracked almost like what you were saying before like you get so many multiple ideas mm. you're going to get drawn off off of track so if you've got some understanding of what your impact is and how you're going to be using this book when you've got it in your hands then you can make those decisions or choices and figure out oh actually I'm going off on a tangent here this is going in my manila folder for my next book or I'm going to use that as content elsewhere yeah. as opposed to trying to jam it into that one book yeah. so I think that that's a really important thing to understand it's um, an easy trap to fall into that one isn't it to put everything in, in the book. And I, I know as I've read through some of mine that I've gone, yeah, well, that didn't really fit there. It's a cool thing, but it didn't really fit in that later on when you look at it. Um, and I guess going back to some of the things that, that you said then, I, I, I love the idea of what are we going to take our audience from and to. So to get really clear on your audience, but then how's your audience going to enter the start of this book and how do you want to change them as they come out the other end? Mm. Um, is that would be a hard thing to connect to, I would imagine, and how do we go about doing that? It is a very hard thing to connect to, and I think, uh, you know, I'll be keen to hear your experience because I think um, audience and your reader is is really difficult and it's something that you hone the whole way through the process <laughs> um, and you do need to get really clear on that, okay, where are they entering? When, what space is, is your reader in when they're reading, when they first pick up your book? And where do you want to get them to at the end? What is that A to Z kind of logical journey? Yeah. I think as subject matter experts, as people with knowledge in an area, it's really easy to fall into the trap of solving people's issues really quickly. And I think you have to realise with a book, for a lot of people, the main aim is, you know, a lot of people reading your book have no idea who you are. They have mm-hmm. no contact with you. So it's a connection point. A lot of that work, you can't force feed people a solution. They're not ready to hear how you're going to fix their issues. You need to make that connection first. It's like building trust. Yeah, right. Um, and I think... How do we go about doing that? Well, I think one of the things for me is to realise like people, there's a bit of an aha for people when they kind of think of your book is still a two-way communication. Mm -hmm. It's you talking to one other person on the other end. The issue is, you know, when like we're talking now, I can see your face, you know, we're on video, so I can see your face, I can see your eyes, I can see when you smile. There are feedback cues Mm. or you might pause and ask me, oh, can we go back to what you were just saying here? Can we elaborate on this? You don't have those cues in writing, but if you think about how you read a book, as you're reading in your head, you're going, oh, I wish he'd gone into that more detail on that. Oh, I loved what he said here. It's my takeaway point, but I would have really liked how he, if he could have put that into context or give me a case study. So you, it's difficult because you almost have to be, there's a lot of guesswork involved, that your reader is still asking those questions and you almost have to preempt an answer and see where your reader's objections are going to be, where they're going to need more clarification on points. So I think for me in, in terms of that understanding your audience, when you can connect to one person and realise it's that, two-way communication it's going to make your book so much more impactful 
because you will have a ripple effect then to the other readers. Yeah, right. Yeah, I guess I guess that's what you you wanted to make an impact. No one's just doing a reading a writing a book and putting all that effort in for it to just sort of sit there. It's got to people got to read it and it's got to make it got to make a difference, doesn't it? Otherwise, what's the point of reading it? Yeah, um, it's kind of like what you were saying or you were joking before about reading your own book when you were mm-hmm. doing your audio book. You're like highlight. Oh, that was really good. You're like highlight. <laughs> it's the same deal, right? You want to be you, you even when you're reading your own work, you have those takeaway points, and that's what you want to be thinking about in terms of um, giving your reader that richness and an experience where they're really invested in your journey. Yeah. Yeah, that's a yeah, and it, it's really cool when you do that. Like you, you go back over the books and go, "Oh wow, that was really cool." Particularly, I love getting the stuff I write, which is usually waffle and drivel, and then getting it back from Brooke once it's actually been polished, and it still sounds like me, but it sounds great, and it sounds really, really good. The stuff I send her is complete rubbish, but it comes back just you know that that. Old analogy is you can't polish a turd. I don't think is really true. So I, I actually love the idea. Like I, I was someone that, you know, only passed year 12 because my sister did half of my assignments for me. So I don't think of myself as a writer at all. And I think there's a lot of people that don't write a book because they don't see them as a writer. But if they've got really cool stuff that the world would be better off to hear, then it's worth contacting someone like yourself to be able to sort of work out what that looks like. And even if you're not perfect at writing yourself, you know, it takes a village. So someone else is going to do some of the stuff that you're not good at. Yeah, look, I think that's a really great point because it sort of goes back to the beginning about, you know, who should write a book and who shouldn't. I think it's a really grave mistake to think I'm not a writer. Mm. It's a really common thing. I didn't pass year 12. Um, I've never been really good. It's not my strength, all of that kind of stuff. It's usually people who have that experience of writing. They're usually the people who should be writing books because actually it's not about the craft of writing. It's actually about a a deeper level than that. It's ideas. It's thoughts. It's intellectual property. That's that's the currency in a book. Uh, Words for me is like the icing on the cake. And so when you get to, you know, like what you've experienced working with Brooke in the editor stage, there are people trained in this who can always help Mm. raise that benchmark in terms of your words, Um, you know, that one, that five, that 10% that you wouldn't have even dreamed of. But they can't give you a voice. Yeah. You've got a voice. Um, I learned this from one of my authors, actually. She says, you know, no one can give you a voice. You have a voice, but you have to choose to use it. Right. And I think that's really important to to know and um, you don't have to be good at writing. It's really underneath all that. There are people who can help you at those, um, you know, at those levels. Nuts and bolts level, they can help you. 100%, yeah. It's really the, the currency is way deeper than that. You have a unique story. You've got a unique perspective. You've got unique experiences and that's what you want to hone first when you get that then everything else can be like you're already ranging the benchmark in a way how do you uncover that in one of your clients someone someone wanders into you and they say i've got this great idea of a book and you hear it and go "Eh." um how do you then dig deeper to find out whether there is actually something the world needs in there or not yeah look that's a great question um like i would actually say i've never met 
an author or worked on a book where I couldn't find something. Right. Um, there is always a potential. You're always looking for like a seed, a potential of unlocking something. Um, it's kind of like a bit like gold mining. You know, you're looking through a lot of rubble. Just panning. Gold. Yeah, panning and, and bringing, when you find those flecks, that's what you bring out. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I think, I mean, I think I've seen this a lot in the Expert Author Academy as well. It's, it's really about creating a space for an author to thrive. It's almost like a, you need to be in a container where those ideas kind of come to the surface, where you're supported, where you've got the right things, where you're getting objective opinions. And I think if you're open to that, then, and you're open to working on that, you will find that, you know, that key, like with the, the pieces of the puzzle will start clicking into place. Yeah. So I guess um, a lot of people would think I want to write a book and they'd almost want to have it all in their head ready to go. And what you're saying there is you don't need to do that, that yeah, your book coach will actually help help you pan for gold if you like. Yeah, 100%. I think it's a control thing. You know, if you think about we like to – in order to, if we're going to do something, we want to feel prepared. And we, you know, for a lot of people, and I think it's very personality dependent, when something's unknown, we tend to try and control the outcome. Mm-hmm. And so we want to have it mapped out. We want to know exactly what we're doing. We want to know this. We want to know that. And actually, writing is an iterative process. You've probably seen this through your own work. So you might start with something uh, and then you will refine it as you go. And each book may be different. So yeah. depending on how how developed that idea is or where you're at in your business or what you're working on at the moment, you might fly through a book because you've been thinking about it or you have been mapping out in your head for years. Mm. Um, but if it's something you're still kind of grappling with, you're still working some elements out, maybe it's going to take you a little bit longer. You don't have to have all those pieces perfectly mapped out. And I actually, you know, a big part of my advice is work with people like us sooner, not not later. It's prevention, not treatment. Right. So most people will think of, I'm going to write out my manuscript and then I'm going to hire an editor yeah. and they're going to fix up my words. No. But if you haven't done some of those foundational <laughs> steps that we've been talking about, I'm going to take you right back to the start. And so you could have spent months, weeks, years even writing this thing without any, you know, in a bubble in your yep. little four walls and not had any objective opinion and you could have completely, you know, gone off track. There's a lot of heartache involved in that. Mm. So I think people just don't realise that there's people like us that exist and that this is our specialty you, and we can help formulate that and you're working it out through a process bit by bit. It's kind of like building a business. Yeah. I've, I've met a bunch of people like not a bunch but three or four people like yourself that actually help people with their development edits and help people with their structure and all of that sort of stuff because that that's not my strong suit so I sort of go to them pretty early you've got to be a little bit tough to do your job but it it's basically sometimes it might does it sometimes feel like you're telling telling a parent that their kid's ugly Brutal, brutal truth, brutal honesty. Yeah, hopefully with the emphasis on honesty rather than brutal, but yeah. Uh, anyway, any of the public, like when you talk to publishers as well, especially, like it, you do have to have brutal truth and honesty and be able to have that objective opinion over your work. Um, and that, 
you know, you, you mentioned the word before, the romantic idea of writing a book. I think mm -hmm. there's still that romantic idea of getting picked up by a publisher and you still mm. got to realize it's a business mm. um and so that it, it does require a level of objectivity um you know like you could have the you could think it's the best business idea in a world and create this thing for years and months and then launch it to like no customers yeah um if you haven't done your due diligence in understanding the market and things like that so I think, uh, you know, you'll hear, you know, it, it is a key role of ours is to how do you provide um, objective feedback? Um, but I think also you have to realise you have to do it with compassion um, because, and it's interesting because I don't work in fiction, I only work in non-fiction. And one of the reasons for me I don't work in fiction is because for me I feel like... Um, it's people's creativity. It's much more subjective, isn't it, when you're in fiction? Yeah. Uh, well, for me, it actually feels like, you know, you have to be really careful in how you're handling that feedback mm -hmm. because the whole, their whole world, you know, for an author, your whole world is mixed up in that. So you're, you're dealing with someone's creativity. Um, and so that can be really hard to deal with and to take as an author, mm. whereas other people... Uh, we'll say the opposite. We'll say the opposite. So you know, I've got friends who are fiction editors, and they'll say, "Oh no, I actually think it's really a lot harder to feedback to someone on a non-fiction book because it's their business and their their whole world is wrapped up in it." So, so it depends on the person. Yeah, right. For me, I think um, you know, people that I work with, they're open to that because they want to do better, mm. and they see the impact that a book will bring to their life, to them personally, to them professionally. And I think, you know, if you want to do good work, you have to be able to take on board feedback from industry professionals who actually yeah. understand how it operates. So you're really doing yourself a disservice if you're not open to that. And going to it early as well, like you said before, to, to go down that road really early. Yeah, because and yeah, that's a good point because I think it's a lot harder to take on board that feedback if you've spent all this time working on your masterpiece mm. only to be told, well, there's some key things we need to go back and do first. So, yeah. so that that can be really hard to take. There's stuff you can do in that. Like nothing for me is ever wasted. It's kind of like nothing nothing ever gets left on the cutting room floor. Mm -hmm. And you wouldn't be where you're at now if you hadn't done what you'd done then. Mm. Um, but it's sort of, you know, it, it's kind of like that channel. Like I've, I've been in that position, you know, quite a few times and it's kind of like, so you can take this to an editor. They could just fix up the, your words and you could get it out there. But that editor's not going to be me. Yeah, for right. Me to work on it, I can see what it could be. Yeah. And I can see how we can get you to there. So in order to do that, I'm going to help you do this, 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 and, and that first. Yeah. And, th and that needs to be a personal choice. For some people, they may not want to do that. Mm -hmm. I, I've never had anybody walk away <laughs> right. from that because I think, yeah, people, if you're going to spend time on something like this, you do want it to be good. So you've, you've planned for it and worked out where the gold was and how to actually, how to actually get that out. And yeah, and I think that's the key for people. I think... They don't know, you don't know what you don't know and you don't know. It's like, oh, 
It's like you, you can describe the rainbow and everybody's on board with the rainbow. Mm-hmm. But I think where a lot of the anxiety is, it's like, but how do I get to the rainbow? Yeah. <laughs> and so I think that's a real skill is actually when you work with someone who can show you and step you through, first we need to do this, then we'll do that, then we'll do that, then we'll do this. Um, and a lot of, yeah, a, 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 that's a, I think that's the thing. It's like you might be on board with the rainbow, but how do you get to the rainbow? And you really need someone to be able to actually say, these are clearly the one, two, three, four, five steps that we need to go through. But it, and it evolves too. Like uh, I remember my first book is called Stress Teflon. The first, the, the title of that was The Caveman Advantage. I still kind of wish I had a stuck with that because anyone under 30 doesn't have a fucking clue what Teflon is. So it's, um, I, I wish I kind of had a stuck with that because the whole thing about it was this is how your stress system works. And if you know the rules of how this stress system works, this is how you play the game. And that was kind of the whole gist of the, the entire book. That you got to understand how stre- how stress works, and then once you know that, you can actually get better at it, and it doesn't stick to you anymore. It was a, it was an evolution about evolution, I guess, about how uh, all of these these things have evolved. But it didn't start out anything like where it finished, but it finished somewhere pretty good. Why'd you change the title? Um, it was probably more a, a marketing thing. I had a friend that's a bit of a marketing guru, and he says that no one wants to read about cavemen. But and it's, he's probably right. But it's something that's been a, a thing the whole way through. I just love evolutionary biology to me is we do shit because cavemen did shit. And all of that stuff's there. And we, we've got this hardware that's developed for 10,000 years ago and we have a completely different environment. We've got to learn how to adapt our hardware to the environment because it's, it's not going to swap around. I think titles is a great you know might be worth talking about because i think a lot of people as well like they go okay i've got to get my title down first once i've got my title then i know my book yeah yeah i'm I'm the same yeah if i have a title i feel like i have a north star this is what i want to go for but like you said it's going to evolve Mm. and and the thing that i find a lot with title is that what happens is People write to the title, they don't write to their audience. So they forget that reader and they forget the journey they're taking the reader on. And for a lot of people, the title then becomes this marketing blurb. And so it almost becomes like advertorial in the book um, without really thinking critically about that, okay, why am I doing this? Who am I doing it for? What's the journey I'm taking this person on? So I kind of, I talk a lot about like, it's like thinking about, yeah, advertising execs or copywriters. It's why they're paid the big bucks, right, to come up with some catchy slogan that's like three words because it's freaking hard to encapsulate something in three words. So for me, it's a lot easier to work with stuff and go through a process of honing it. So I love um, anybody that's listened to any of like James Clear's uh, or read any of his stuff about his writing, one thing I really like about him is it's not – writing it's the rewriting that yeah. matters and the process and the process and and i think you know going back to your point about that if you don't feel like you're a good writer because i don't think i'm a good writer either but man i know i'm a good editor right. and i can look at a pile of words and make magic from it like and create links and story threads and know exactly what like there's just something i'm like yep that's the thing i can move it around 
And that's come from a process of working on a lot of words and honing them and editing and, and really editing my own work as well, like stripping out that, like, for a lot of people it's, um, you know, overlaying that becoming quite objective, of getting to that stage where you're quite objective on your work and your mm-hmm. words and, and honing that through that. And I think that's a really, you know, a really good thing to remember when you don't feel like you're good at writing. So with titles, it's like once you've got a lot of words, you're, you're actually honing your whole business message. So for me, that's the awesome benefit of a book and the whole process. Yes, you're going to get the end result at the end. You're going to have a book that you can hold up. But there's all these intangible wins that happen along the way because what you're working on is your message and it's going to influence how you sell yourself. Yeah. How you speak about yourself, how you what services you put together, and your message gets better. the The person that benefits most from any of these nonfiction business books is the person that writes the book because they 100%. they go from being here and knowing a bit about something to being here and wow, I really know a lot about that stuff. One hundred percent. So, and so I, with title, you know, if you think about because you're honing your message. Once you know that, you can start stripping that message back and that's how you can create then a good title. So you don't have to have that title from the get-go. It will evolve. So do you start with where, – where do you start then if you don't have the title? Do you start with here's how I want to – what I want to take people from and to? Or is that where, you, is that where you're talking about you're starting it that, from that? So, so it would be really in capturing your purpose and understanding how you're going to be using your book, thinking about yeah. your reader, understanding market fit. So this is really crucial if you're pitching to any publishers. How's your book going to fit in the market? Mm-hmm. Where does it fit in a bookshelf? Yeah. Um, those types of things. And that's, that's, a, you know, that's a really critical element a lot of people miss or don't quite get right. Um, understanding how structure works understanding how you can build a structure for each and every chapter, not just the whole book. You can mm-hmm. actually, I use a, a structure that I use with clients. Um, working with your words, refining your words, working at angles, stuff like that. I think, I think one of the tricky things is when you do work with publishers or when you want to pitch to a publisher, obviously titles are part of that. Um, and I actually think that publishers... Um, by far and large, are really good with titles because it is about understanding the publishing industry and how sales works in in how distribution works. There's all these people involved in the back end like sales reps, et cetera, et cetera. Mm -hmm. So that's where where and why a title is so important to a publisher. Yep. Um, And I think that's what's tricky because when you're pitching, obviously you've got to give some titles mm-hmm. you have to have some ideas yeah. and, titles. and so I think that's why people get locked on onto that and and one understanding you know one thing to realize is a lot of it is because when you are with a publisher they've got a wheelhouse behind them there's that you know part of their village is their marketers and other people who are going to be working on it before you hand your book over so they've got things they need to do and they need to get often they need to get their title locked down first to get like that back end working. Yep. But I've actually seen, you know, over the over definitely over the last few years, um, it, it it's later and later like it it's later and later to get that title locked down. So they still may be refining that title. Um 
even once, you know, once they start working on the manuscript. So I think in the past it was kind of like you had to have that title to get it over the line. But mm. I think less and less now it's about that. If you've got a great book idea and you're behind it and you're committed and you can sell that in, then that's what they're looking for. Yeah, They'll right. Warm title. Yeah, okay. Okay. So if someone if someone's thinking there's a book in me, I'm not much of a writer. How do that? How do they get in contact with someone like yourself, and, and what's their next step? Yeah, great. So, um, reach out to me. Um, I actually run free workshops. So I've actually got a, a workshop coming up shortly that actually coaches people through understanding. It's a free workshop. Mm-hmm. How do you? What are some of the strategies and things that you need to apply to actually understand the process? and to understand how to make a, an idea commercially smart. So that's a really great step for people and it's a really great step to actually understand how a book coach can help mm-hmm. through that process. There is also a free tool that I use with authors. It's called the Book Screening Canvas. So it's designed on nine questions that I get authors to answer. You can download it. It's a really quick and easy tool. You can do it within 15 minutes. You can do it over multiple ideas. The thing I love about this tool is that people will be really surprised what they know and what they already have that would make a great book idea. Yeah, right. So that so we kind of we I know you said that you know not everyone has a book in them, but everyone has the stories. I'm still pushing back on you. I think I think we all have books in us. But whether whether it's something you could be bothered doing or not is probably another thing. Just one last question before we go is I'd love I'd love to get a bit of an insight into whether to go to a publisher, whether to self-publish. What what are the advantages and disadvantages of those two? Yeah, good question because I think a lot of people start the journey with this question, and again, you don't well, you can't actually answer that question until you know why you're doing your book. Hmm. Um, and I think that's really key to understand. And I think the other thing to understand is it's not a black and white industry anymore. It's not just self-publishing, traditional publishing. There's a lot of grey area yeah, in between. And so I don't believe that there's a one-size-fits-all approach for writing and publishing a book. Um, it's very unique to you as a person, what your goals are, what you're trying to do in your business. And so the role of someone like me is to actually help shepherd you towards those wise decisions and choices that are going to work for you. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that that's really important to know. Once you know why you're doing it and once you've built a really good strategy for it, you can make those decisions. You don't have to have that all worked out from the get-go. And I think, I mean, in answer to that, you know, the pros and cons, there's no, there's no perfect solution. I, I think there's trade-offs. Who, who would go what? Well, I, I have a theory and I'll throw this at you and see what you think. I have a theory if you want to sell the books, then definitely go through a publisher. If you want to use them as a business card that's going to go into places and open doors and make you an expert, I think there's a lot of elements that you might be better off self-publishing and be able to give them away at conferences and things like that where you speak. Um, that's sort of one, and then that, even that's got an overlap in it as well. Yeah, um, it does have an overlap because, like, I've had people come to me and they've already sold 5,000 copies of their book, and then they're talking about getting it picked up with a publisher. And my question is, well, why? Why? You're already selling 5,000 copies, all of that money's going back to you. 
So what is it about working with a publisher? Like for, for a lot of people, it's still ego, it's still that credibility thing. And I think that, you know, it's sort of uh, what you're talking about there. I think that's a good thing for one of your books anyway. Um, that, that thing you talk about, about being ego, having the publisher, I, I definitely am going to put my hand up and say that, that I loved working with Major Street. They were great. I loved going to an airport and seeing my book. There's like, you know, that's like seeing dolphins in the surf. You just never get sick of it. It's such a, a and people sending you texts with your, with your book at the airport and stuff. And that didn't happen with my first two books, but there's loads of my first two books out there, but it, there, there is an ego trip to that, but it, there's also a, a credibility thing to it as well. A hundred percent, and I don't think it's a bad thing. It's no. recognising that. And I think, you know, in terms of the what makes it. So a lot of publishers will say get your first book under your belt first mm-hmm. because you'll learn so much through it and you're building your profile through it and you'll, you'll have that experience to then take to a publisher next. So I, I work with heaps of people who may be debut authors and they get picked up by a publisher. So I actually have like a publishing pitch package, yeah. it's like an eight-week process. Um, I've never had a book pitch re- rejected through this process. Um, and it is, you know, a lot of publishers, though, will say, you know, that experience, getting that under your belt, having that stuff behind you, so for some people, you might be at a point in your business where it does make sense and you do have that uh, level of thought and detail in, in your products and your services and you've got a really great audience fit and marketing-wise, it makes sense for a publisher to work with you because they have access to that audience too. So you can ha- garner that leverage. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think, so I think the thing is that if you get a no, it's not a no, it's a not yet. Yeah, right. Nice, nice. Kelly Irving, thank you very much for getting on and giving us a bit of an idea of who should read a book, who should write a book rather. And um, where can we contact you? Kellyirving.com. Reach out at any chance and any opportunity. I'm more than happy to have a chat. And as someone that's done this three times, there is no one that's got more out of my books than me. So, you know, do the hard work and actually do it because it actually pays off not only for other people that you can help, which feels wonderful, but it definitely pays off for yourself. It really clarifies your thinking. And having something like Kelly to work with um, would make life a hell of a lot easier. So, Kelly, thanks for coming on your next read. Thanks, Luke. Appreciate it. Cheers. Thank you for listening to Your Next Read. If you'd like to get any of the books from Major Street, go to majorstreet.com.au. I'm Luke Mathers, and we'll see you next time.